0: I just had an amazing conversation with an old friend of mine, Mohammad, who is the co-founder of House of Biryani. One, we enjoyed some lovely food before, right? And so we were sharing our experience about that. Two, he spoke about the importance and traits to look for in a co-founder, which I think was amazing, it's pure liquid gold. Three, he spoke about the reason why investors in his second business came in faster. So something to definitely watch out for right and four. last but not the least he spoke about his kids and the importance of spending time with them he's a second time founder who's doing amazingly well his company's blown up 10x since four months since it started with only two stores and now he's already raised capital and he's going to be introducing a lot more stores go watch the episode learn some nuggets apply them in your life do not forget to subscribe and click the bell icon if you really want to thanks Mohammad, you've had a very interesting journey before your current startup, which is blowing up. So before we
1: talk about House of Diriyadh, tell me your life's journey. Wow, so much to unpack here, life's journey. Uh, So look, uh, I did my uh, culinary school from, I think, one of the premier institutes in the country, IHM Aurangabad, very privileged, had a lot of fun. Actually, Culinary Institute, if you, it, you know, I mean, we've just had fun. We didn't, I'm not saying we didn't learn anything, but most of this job or this uh, uh, field that I'm in, you learn more when you get exposure. So, 2006, I passed out, I was one of the few lucky ones that got an opportunity straight out of college to work a, with uh, a mad chef called Gordon Ramsey in London. So that was my big break you know where everyone was vying for a job at the Taj or the Oberoi I got this gig and since I got the gig there the idea was ki padhai bhi you know how it is with, with parents who are you not going to study anymore that that FOMO with education so I did my post graduation I did my masters in London I worked with Gordon Ramsay then I worked with quite a few Michelin star uh, chefs around in London and I think it's around 08, 09, where I had this here You see the way work is done over there, the, the ideas that are there, the implementation and execution that was there. And we are so, so far behind, not just from a consumer adoption point of view, but also from an execution point of view. So the idea was, can I bring this back? And since my family business was catering food since 40, 50 years, I was all, you know, enthu and I came back and I lasted three days. So, uh, rude learning, I think, you know, uh, the idea was that the family business was working in a certain way, in a certain structure, the revenue stream was skewed with uh, the community catering that was happening. And since then, you can say, you know, uh, I've been on this adventure, where I have dabbled with multiple ventures, like my first, I remember my first gig was I was selling dessert at kitty parties. Nice. Uh, that's how I started, I'm saying back in 09-10. Then I did some catering. Then my first big break, I could say was uh, when I started a biryani joint in Andheri. And that's when I actually, actually said, okay, you know what, this is something. Why don't we have Indian food, especially biryani, done and executed and presented in the same way as how these multinational chains have done, like a Subway, McDonald's, Burger King. And I think that's where it kind of struck me, this is an opportunity. And when I actually dwelled deep in that, I, s- I figured there are two major problems that need solving. One is it's a very chef-driven, it's a very skill-driven cuisine. Whereas if you see a Subway McDonald's, it's a very food industrialization, it's a very process-driven uh, thing. So So that had to be tackled. And also, if you notice, Ashwin, you know, biryani is such a personal thing, like, you know, uh, let me tell you a fun fact, you don't have a pan-India biryani chain. Mm -hmm. There are many which have come from south to Bombay, not worked, same, la la la, not gone, there is a very famous chain in the east which came here, but didn't work. And I think, while biryani is something that is very, very popular, it's very common, I think as regions change, as people and culture change, the definition of biryani changes. So 2015 is where, you know, I got my big break. Uh, I was a technical co-founder at the last startup I was with uh, my colleague, Mikhail. And we spent seven years over there, understanding, peeling the layer and fabric of how do we actually get Indian food to a point of industrial scale, where there is no dilution. Because I think that was one of the other mistakes that we made, we got so engrossed in the industrialization bit that we lost sight of consumers. And today, I think, you know, at House of Biryan, uh, very funny, you know, somebody said, oh, wow, in three months, you've, you've created, uh, you know, you've had so much success in three months. And, and I just paused and I, and I thought to myself, to you, maybe it's three months, but, maybe, but there's 10 years of pain that has gone into it.
0: There is a there is an iceberg below the tip of the iceberg. There is an entire iceberg nobody gets to see.
1: Yeah, so it. Yeah, here we are.
0: So why did you name it House of Biryani?
1: Okay, you 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 want the non-BS version? Sure, absolutely. Actually, it's very difficult to find biryani names when you go for registration. <laughs> <laughs> and and serendipity that it kind of uh, gelled with a whole theme and story. Uh, A tagline is taste is our tradition. Mm. So we've taken a very very different approach in terms of communication and marketing with this brand. Uh, If you see any biryani brand, they they really go harp on the authenticity of their biryani, on the recipes and the chef is from Hyderabad and so on. And we said, look, we just don't want to take that approach. Mm. We're saying, look, it's tasty. Mm. Don't come to me with a gun saying that this is not authentic or my grandmother makes it better. Mm. Good luck. I I'm not even saying it's authentic, but we are saying it's going to be tasty. So if you want to do that, you want to basically create a platform where a user can experiment. There are multiple flavors to choose from. It's a very different approach. It's like think of Chipotle, what Chipotle did to Mexican food. And I think when we want to take down that route, we we don't want to put biryani in one box. So kind of house of biryani made. Lot of sense. Nice uh, with the name. I,
0: I loved your chipotle analogy because I am a big, big, big fan of chipotle. I've tried bringing it to India three times. Oh. All the three times they shot me down saying not ready yet. Correct. I will do whatever because I am a like when I was in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Every third, fourth meal was chipotle. Yes. Now also whenever I go back, every third, fourth meal is chipotle. So I'm a big fan. But what they were able to do to Mexican cuisine was putting it mainstream taking away the tradition, taking away the family, taking away the secret recipe that only one grandmom knows and has been passed down and able to take it, make it you know, a national chain. I think you have, you're, you're in those, you are in the, you know, you're following the same
1: line. You could either grab a, these really popular hole in the walls hmm. or you went to some really exclusive fine line, hmm. you know, there was nothing in the middle. Hmm. What Chipotle actually did was it kind of democratized Mexican flavors for the masses. But more than that, I think one key takeaway is the approachability. It made it super approachable. And if you actually notice, if you if you peel the fabric of that also in UC, they didn't tell you how you should make your bowl. They have options, but at the end of the day, the control is with the consumer. And I think, very counterintuitive, we with Indian food, are so proud, and we should be, look, don't get me wrong, we should be extremely proud of of our culture, heritage and food. But I think that kind of dilutes the whole approachability part. And my dream or my endeavour is to bring Indian food platform with Biryani at a global stage where it's more approachable, Where, where abroad people are not saying, okay, Indian food will be an adventure or they go to a fine line Indian restaurant. It needs to be something they can just know what to expect, consistency, quality, easy, one pot meal, and I think biryani fits that. So, uh, you know, that's the journey that I want to walk.
0: Amazing. In your current venture, uh, do you have any co-founders or is this? So I have have
1: a co-founder, partner
0: in crime. His his name is Mikhail. The food we had was mind blowing. Uh, My team was so worried about food coma. And they kept warning me, they're like, we have two more interviews. <laughs> are you going to be sleepy in them? I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna have some coffee. But and I normally eat this much. Right. Today I had like two, three, four servings, and they've also not seen me eat so much. They're like, Really? Are you gonna eat all this? I'm like, it's so tasty. The kebabs were amazing. We were fighting over the last Galoti, I'm like, half karte, hai, karte. Because I think amazing food brings that out. Yes. Right? yes. And uh, which is amazing. And I, I don't think I've ever done that with my team ever. Like we were fighting over the last right. uh know, the last piece of something. Uh But I loved the whole experience that you were able to deliver, uh, right, from the packaging to the thoughtfulness of everything that is there, uh, very, very well-balanced, portions were very good, taste was amazing and when you told me how it is made, I couldn't believe it, I'm like, no way, right, I don't know if you're going to share the the secret but uh, I was blown away on how you make it, right, and but I think the approach you're taking is making this extremely scalable, Uh, you're making it approachable, you're giving it the personalization, you know, which people want. So, the whole aloo in biryani, yeah. or uh, is, if there is no meat, is it even biryani, you know, there, a lot of those things can be kind of... So scripted. far,
1: I, I think we have, I would say, skirted under the radar of connoisseurs so far, <laughs> and and I think my, um, uh, my, my wish is that I, I take these connoisseurs on my side, you know, I say, listen, I won't tell anyone, but you enjoyed that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so, uh, I think one thing you should do is just find top 100 in the country and just send them a packet saying try this out and let me know what you think. Try one one, one, let me know what you think. Uh, that'd be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so as you're growing um, in the company, you're four months in? Yes, you four months in, yeah. in. And I think you're, you know, you're growing by leaps and bounds. Correct. Right. A year from now, what kind of challenges are you expecting to see?
1: So look, that is a thesis that we have. So far, the thesis is played out. Okay but uh, biryani playing out in in mumbai we i think we've got that product market fit we we getting that consumer love mm. uh, to me it's i think any tenets of business i'm sure including yours it, it it first comes down to getting that product fit process and people so i think we we are we've kind of kind of ticked product and process people I think we take 50% in Bombay 50% we still have a leg to go Uh, the challenge I wouldn't say but I think when we take this to Delhi for me Delhi would be the the next natural place where we would not have to tinker around too much on the product it would be way easier for us to scale and it's a way bigger market the challenge I see in a business like this is when you want to take this to other parts of of the country Uh, how much should you personalize at the base level and as a young startup, how many battles you want to fight? So, you know, as a founder, you are always you like, you know, uh, I think God's been kind. We, we get flooded with so many messages of late, uh, oh, I want to take a franchisee, I want to do this. I think the biggest challenge is saying no, it's very difficult to say no, right? And and people wonder why you're saying no. but. We've got a formula that works and shiny object syndrome. I'll, I'll confess, I, I myself am uh, very privy to it. Uh, so, if you actually see, right, founders and the journey, challenges are 70, I would say 50-70% market created, 30% created internally. I think after 10 years of entrepreneurship, I have come to a point where I can say I have that slight mindfulness of knowing, listen, don't put an axe on your own feet. So if you take that out of the way, I think my uh, biggest challenge would be to ensure that we can play this thesis of personalization and consumer love and product acceptability, at least in four or five major cities in India.
0: So you touched upon something which is very interesting, which is when you're focused on something, Lot of opportunity, and you're doing something good, and you're able yeah. to create an impact. A lot of people are going to come to you, a lot of things are going to come to you, which will kind of divert your focus. Yeah. Example, right now, you may not be ready to franchise. Sure. Or you may never be ready to franchise, depending, sure. right? But it also is like at one side of your brain is thinking, oh, but that can be an additional revenue stream. Oh, we are not planning to go to Lucknow now. If you're a franchisee, that will give us an. So that always that little bit of uh, greed or trying something new is always there. Sure. But having that tenacity to say no. Saying that this is my focus, I think that takes a lot of guts and that does uh, take a lot of believing in your own vision, which is probably sacrificing short-term revenue yeah. or achieving a long-term goal. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, you've raised funds, okay. right? What was that experience for you raising funds as a food company in India on a scale of 1 to 10? How hard was it and what what is the experience?
1: So, specifically with House of Biryani, w- I would say uh, it, w- it wasn't that hard, but I think it is… It has a lot to do with the fact that people have seen that you've kind of, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, you know, uh, persevered for the last 8-10 years. And I think one thing that worked in our favour was the fact that people saw that there is one industry, is in it, but there is one problem is And that really, really helped us. Like, it, probably I think there would be a lot of question marks if I said, okay, I want to open a burger chain or a pizza chain or so, so much. I think the fact that I kept telling people that, look, this is the only thing I've been doing since 2012. Here, these are the three things I've done. This is, this is what I've achieved. These are the mistakes I've made. And I think one of the things what founders should not be shy of is right off the bat sharing your reflections and mistakes. I think investors or, you know, smart investors or, or sensible people who want to back you, they really value that, you know, and knowing what not to do sometimes in a conversation can be more valuable than convincing people what to do. In fact, you know, it's, it's so funny, I mean, me and uh, my, my partner, Mikhail, we talk about it. When we go, go for these meetings, I mean, you know, the investors saying, okay, but you should do this, you should do that. Eight out of 10 things we are saying, no, we're not going to do it. And this is why we're not going to do it. At the end of it, it, it's more, it's less effort on convincing him what we are capable of. But the fact that we've told him that, listen, we don't want to do this and we want to be focused with this kind of wins over. So that's been my experience. And, and you know, I mean, this just comes with going through the motions, going through the struggle. And there's no shortcut to it, unfortunately. Now, I mean, I can sit here and mope. There are people who learn this in three, four years. Maybe I took a little longer, but so be it.
0: So, the school of hard knocks gives you the best education, right? Like when you're knocked down, what you learn, so either you can sit and cry that, oh, life is unfair, things are not going well for me, or you can be like, hey, what's the lesson in this? At Equinox, we make a lot of mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes personally, right? But I encourage myself and my team to make more mistakes. Because for every three, four mistakes we make, we do one thing right, but at a much larger scale. Larger scale. Right? So it definitely covers, so back in the day out of maybe 10 things, one is to go right and nine is to go wrong. Now probably out of five, one goes right and four go wrong. But I think we get into a point where maybe the second one is going wrong but the other one is going right. But the reason we've got there is every mistake has also taught us something and the next time we're trying something similar, we don't do the past thing. We know okay hey, setting up this way is not going to make sense, let's try a new one. Le- one lesser thing that we know is not going to work. Right. Uh, how do you tackle innovation at House of Biryani?
1: So the food innovation is is, is Mikhail's uh, baby. I think the way he structures is, look, here, here's the thing, right? We are not really reinventing the wheel when it comes to the products, because at the end of the day, there is a certain marketplace. You have to have certain level of hygiene, I would say, in terms of being approachable. Uh, also, bear in mind, our entire revenue is digital, which is with three gains a the matter. There are certain keywords that are needed, so so there is a certain mold which is there. I think as a brand, what what one should do when somebody starts a new brand is in a marketplace. You need to you you. We do serve a Hyderabadi biryani and Avdi biryani, but I think the 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 magic lies in how you communicate, how you what you stand for as a brand. That is one. As far coming back to your question on innovation. I think it's always an 80-20 when you begin with. 80% you give people what they're familiar with. 20% you use to stand out. And as time passes, you will see some of that 20% becoming mainstay. The more you can shift products from that 20 to 80, that leverage as a brand sets you different in the eyes of the consumer because then you don't become a me too brand. Then, Then the biggest flattery is when you see a competitor copying you that. And and that's how I think the approach that we've taken with Hausa Biryani. Like, for example, biryanis is a mainstay, but Mikhail took kebsa and he really, really innovated a lot with kebsa. So, what's very interesting, right? What is a kebsa? It's like chicken tikka masala and chezvan sauce, it's a mixture of that. And it's fabulous. Wow. And okay. it's, I it's tried this. fabulous. I tried yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah it's fabulous. This. Okay. And and you won't believe it, kebsa is almost 30% of our sale today. Nobody knew that much. Yes, you do have the Persian bar but in certain pockets that serve it. But I think we can we can we can take pride and credit, and he can take credit for the fact that we communicated that with videos on Instagram. We got good content going, and today is 30%. Wow! So it starts with a small idea, and then you know it kind of mushrooms uh, away. So
0: I'm a big believer of uh, thoughts becoming things. I think yeah, this is a great uh, great example of that. When you were starting this, how did you zoom in on Mikhail as your co-founder? Like what did you look for when you're looking for a co-founder?
1: Mikhail and me have been together. So, so we studied in the same college.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So so back in
1: 2004. Then, you know, I went my way, he went his way. We met again in 2012. We've been each other with, with each other from last 10 years now. Wonderful. And I, I think the, we lucked out. And I'll tell you why, Uh, and that this is very important, right? Because a large part of success on this platform is dependent on the sync you have with your co-founder. Like We know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And and also, I think the biggest thing is the trust factor. Even though he has no clue what I do, and I do not interfere in what he's doing, at the end of the day, we, we both trust each other. When time comes, each other will bring home what their job is and I I think that's that's where magic happens. When you are uh, in
0: office, what is something that would be very unique as a part of culture at House of Viryan where you won't see that in other places?
1: So most of uh, our team members on Instagram just sharing an incident that happened yesterday. Some biryani brand in Andheri or somebody put a capsa, this thing, and one guy said, capsa. Immediately, Mikhail replied to him. Though he he had nothing to do, he said, please order it and give your feedback. Tell me how it is. So there is no, uh, there are no, this thing on, at the end of the day, what we, the culture that we have is, look, we all have a role to play, but it's food. Everybody is a customer. So if you have had something interesting, even though you have nothing to do with the role in food, please share your thoughts and we will take you seriously. So that's the kind of culture that we have uh, at House of Biryani. I think that open
0: communication is such a key part of building team culture. Because if people can't express themselves, right. if they are wronged, if they're not able to say, say something, if they have an idea, if they're not able to share it. If they're excited about something, they're not able to share it. And if we've created a workspace where they can't do these two, three things, they're not going to be excited about it. They're not bringing their A-game. They're not coming 100% when you're coming to office. But if you create a work culture where even you know, the smallest problem that they can share, I mean, the way you said it, I understood your point, but you shouldn't have said it so rudely. Or, hey, I'm excited about this thing. I saw this thing over here, you know, can we, oh, I saw this real. Somebody else made it on a different platform for a different thing. But hey, can we bring this to our thing? Can we create something new? He's a chef, but he wants to create a reel. Having that, you know, outlet for uh, 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 creativity or whatever he has, if he's able to share it openly across uh, levels, right? right? Uh, I think that allows people to be excited about what they do. And the minute people get excited about what they do, magic happens, right? Mm -hmm. So many times people ask me that, hey, as a a company, you've scaled pretty quickly in a space where companies grow typically 5-10% annually. We've been growing in triple digits. So they're like, what is the what's the secret sauce? The secret sauce I was like is people. Correct. You get good people. Make sure they know what they're doing. Either they come with experience or you give them the experience in terms of processes. And then get out of their way. Don't keep bothering. Don't micromanage them. Correct. Don't read like every two minutes, abhi ka karu, abhi ka that's not that's not gonna help. Right? Two is allow them to be creative, allow them to make mistakes. Because if you don't allow them to make mistakes, your systems are not gonna get better. What you're doing a year ago, you're going to do now. Nothing's going to change, right? So almost in every role, we encourage people to try something new. And many people wonder, when I say this, they're like, you run a testing lab. How much experimentation can you do? Which is a very genuine question, right? I took this question to my lab folks. I said, hey guys, you all are working in the lab, yes. You follow IS methods, AFA methods, yes, you follow methods. How do you innovate? What do you innovate? Can you change the method? No, you can't change the method. We can change everything around the lab, we can change the process flow, how samples get handled, how can we work better in shifts, how can we use technology, how can we use QR codes? how can we use this, that, that, without changing the method, method is only 20% of the whole, the whole thing inside correct. the lab, there's so many other things that happen, They're like the other, other 80% we can innovate in, okay, IS method we can't change, if it says add 10 ml or something, I can't be like, oh, today I'll add 1 ml and see what happens. Yeah. You, can't you can't do that. Right? <laughs> That's science, right? That's science. You can't <laughs> mess with that. But there's other stuff around which you can and which was very interesting insight. Now I took that insight back to everyone else in the company. Saying that, hey guys, every single person, let it be my receptionist, to housekeeping, to every single person should be able to innovate. Not just able to. I think I expect and everyone expects everyone to innovate. Because if you are not grown as a person, if you've not run something new, one year, two years, three years into the job, you're going to be bored out of your mind. Absolutely. Right. And I don't want that culture where people are bored out of their mind. And if you're bored and if you don't enjoy working at Equinox, I openly tell people, if you don't enjoy working,
1: leave. Yeah.
0: Please leave. If you don't enjoy working here, please leave. Don't drag your feet. Don't get bored. Because if you're getting bored, I don't think it's a person issue. It's the environment issue. Correct. I don't think there's anything like a bad employee, bad teammate. They're just not in the right environment. You give them the right environment, they thrive. Right. So that
1: becomes key to success. So one of the very key, you know, one of the experiments that worked really well for us, uh, when people joined. like, you know, in the food business, you have, you have marketing, you have supply chain, then you have the guy who's managing data and so on. We asked each of each, we sat down with each one of them and said, Look, this is what your role is. Can you make a checklist when you come in the morning, as per your role, what are the things you need to do? priority wise, very interesting thing happened. It kind of shifted the person and the role separate. And I think that's very important. That's really very important because you know, when you take the role and the person away, you're giving, you're saying, look, it's not you, it's the role needs this. And he, the person can also detach and look at it. And and probably, like you said, right, come back to you and say, listen, I'm enjoying this, I'm not enjoying this. Now, one way is to sit on their head. Two, the other thing, when you ask them to make a checklist, there is a sense of ownership. Banaya, he's only done it. He's only come to you. So it's very easy for you, from a culture point of view, to say, hey, what does it take for you now to implement it? And those who don't have that discipline... Like even I, I struggle a lot, right? With these things. That when you wake up in the morning, these are the five things you do, then there's five things you do. It takes time. And I think that is very important to understand. It takes time. If you just say, I made the checklist from tomorrow, you start doing it, it does not work like that. That takes time. And I think that having that patience, that openness is very, very important. Otherwise, the person just feels like, you know, I've just been thrown in a... Uh, uh, thrown in a pit and there's no way. Mm. So, uh, to that what I want to add is whenever
0: you create a process and you put a person in the process and you expect the person to follow everything 100% from day one, doesn't work. What at Equinox we do differently is, okay, you're not 100%, you're at 40%. Tomorrow, can you be 41?
1: Yeah.
0: Day after, can you 42? Just be a little better than yesterday. Within 2-3-4 months, you're there, you're at 100%. You're following it. After two, three, four months, I'm expecting to make it better now. True. Somebody two days in, I can't expect somebody fresher two days in to improve my process. But somebody's three months, six months, one year, should be able to improve my process. It should be able to upgrade the checklist, upgrade the SOPs, upgrade how you operate. With uh, e-commerce now on the rise, do you see any challenges with the current players that you're working with, the e-commerce aggregators?
1: Margins is always going to be a challenge, but... Yours, yours, I think what has worked for us really well in House of Biryani. I believe, initially, yes, it's, it's competitive. You want to get people to taste your food. But you need to have a strategy in terms of saying that, look, if my sale is going to happen, only if I'm going to give discount and only if I'm going to spend on these ads. Mm. I'm not talking about day one, but I'm talking when the store is, say, three months old or four months old. Then I think you need to really have a hard look at your drawing board. Do consumers want you? Or are consumers just going to the marketplace and clicking on house of biryan because it's a cheap on offer? Pull versus push. I think as a brand, you can only say you've achieved product market fit when somebody wants. Like if Ashwin is going to get a 20% discount, he's going to buy the biryani, but not when he gets a 9% discount, then house of biryan is lacking. And Look, ultimately, what what are these aggregators doing? I, you know, I, I I I understand this this whole thing dilemma of uh, they're very top heavy, they take a lot of commissions, they take a lot of margin. But at the end of the day, they're just a facilitator. They're only a facilitator. I I sh- don't think a food company or a brand should really blame them because don't give discount. Don't do ad spend. Is a consumer coming still to consume you? If How not, do you get there? So, rather than blaming and saying on the ecosystem, I said, let's look inward. How do we create products and a platform to really want consumers to come and buy us? And once you go there, then I mean, the, the aggregator is only a platform where a, where a customer is doing discovery and delivery. So,
0: you are the second person I'm talking to who. Looks at this whole situation in a different way. I remember I was talking to uh, Karan, uh, Karan Tanna from, uh, I forgot his company's name. What is his company's ghost name? Kitchens. Ghost Kitchen. Ghost It was some a big yellow tail hospitality also. Yellow tail? Yellow tie. Yellow, yellow, tie. tie. Yellow, yeah, tie yeah. yellow tie. Yellow tie. Yellow tie and then Ghost Kitchens. So I was talking to Karan and he also said the same thing. He's like, people crib and cry. But he's like, was well, I've been able to create hundreds of e restaurants over there and able to operate it because I figured it out. I put my time, brain, energy and figured it out. Yeah. Can me alone go and tell Zomato Swiggy, drop your discounts, do this, do that? No. And by the way, who's offering discounts? I'm offering discounts. Okay, they can pressurize me but then they, can they say make it 20% discount or we take you out? No. no. I can choose not to add discounts. No. Correct. No. I can choose to charge yeah. whatever I want to charge. But then is there a good product market fit? Does my product justify the cost? So today, you can go on Zomato Swiggy. You can buy something for 200 rupees and fill a stomach for two people. Or you can also go and spend 3,000 rupees and fill two people's stomach. Depends, everything, there is a market for that. Everything has a market, right? So getting that fit right is important and understanding that hey, cribbing and crying about doesn't change anything. You have to kind of look inward to see, hey, how can I leverage? Okay, they're giving me an opportunity of discovery. How can I leverage that opportunity, right? Love that one. Are you ever going to create your own app? And have people order from you directly, or are you extremely happy with
1: ecom? So, in the near future, no plans of doing that, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, that's that's another world in itself, and and to create or spend time and do it. I mean, look, creating it. It's not about just creating an app, right? It's also about why will somebody come. And download a House of Biryan app. I mean, what, what is it that House of Biryan is giving or offering that guy for him to leave, to go through so much friction of downloading the app and, you know, going through the whole rigmarole where he can just do this in two taps with all his addresses saved on Swiggy with all the offers that he's getting. So, I think there is a certain threshold uh, you need to reach in terms of user count, volume, scale, brand. before brand, before you really get into all that, right? So, like See, these are these are sense. great. These are great stuff to put when you want to put it on an investor slide. When you want to say, "Look, this is what I this is what I need the money for." Right? I I need I need to spend twenty five lakh rupees on an app, and I want to do all that. But reality is, look at this point, uh, our, our focus should only be how do uh, okay. So one very important met- metric, right? Say say my competitors operate in the same area as I am. How many active users do my competitors have, and how many active users do I have? Can my active user count be 2x, 3x of that? Can my repeat be more? Can my absolute numbers on repeat be high? Can my food rating be up? Can my prep time on what my competitor takes to give the order versus what we give, can, we, can that be less? I think these are the metrics that we want to focus on and not really get into… I think everything else is vanity at this point.
0: Uh, are you using social media to drive users to buy more?
1: Yes. So we've, you know, the, the story that I shared with you, why mm. House of Brian. Mm. I think we've, uh, we've got some fantastic partners, uh, who create some amazing content, happy to share their name, their name is Black Cab. Okay. Yes. And uh, um, a young team, they've really, really, I think, worked really hard to bring that vision that we have, and articulating it with good videos, good content, good engagement. And what happens with that, very interesting, right? So we put a on our Instagram, we put like a Swiggy link and we kept tracking how many people are coming on Swiggy with that link. And that does a lot for you, right? Because the moment you can then go to the ecom partner and say, look, hey, look, are people coming to you because you have put me on or am I bringing that traffic? My food ratings is up. I'm getting more traffic. My repeat is up. I see no reason why a Swiggy or a Zomato would then come to you and say, okay, let us get more involved. We'll lower this, we'll lower that. Because at the end of the day, they also want the same thing. They want to be the platform to give a great consumer experience. Which is why it brings to the same point, right? You don't crib and cry. You just say, okay, how do I really raise the bar for them then to come and say, okay, can we work together in a more deeper way? When a
0: food company wants to, this ra- no, uh, thinking of raising funds, what are the
1: two, three things that they should look for? So, I think uh, you from, from an investor point of view, they really want to know, are you going to experiment with their capital or have you already figured it out, that is, that is very important.
0: From the uh, restaurant or the food business point of view, at sure. what point should they be like, okay, I think I need
1: to raise money. So, so look. You know, uh, uh, food business is a it's a capital intensive business. And when I say capital intensive, now you might argue cloud kitchen may kithna jata. I mean, you need a little space and basic equipments. But I think what people don't really factor in it's not the capital expenditure of putting a cloud kitchen. For a cloud kitchen to start breaking even and make money, there is an operational cost that goes in. And sometimes that operational cost can be equal to or more than the capital expenditure that you put in, which is why a classic mistake a lot of companies make, right? They say, okay, I have 100, my, okay, 100, one distribution is 20. Let me just put four. It doesn't work like that because you need a lot of working capital. You need, you need to get your brand out. You need to really initially spend with your e partners to have users transact and do all of that. So I think that is very important. So it all depends, right? If somebody's bootstrapped it. And, and they say, okay, I've got product market fit, now I want to multiply 2, 4, 6, 8. Then I think that's the point uh, they should do it. If someone is saying, okay, I'm just going to do one, figure it all out, and then I'll see how to do it. I have
0: seen you in the last 2-3 uh, months really leverage TV. Yes. Which is amazing.
1: Correct. Right. How did that happen? Like it It's all serendipity. But my uh, uh, my partner's mom, she had some connect with somebody in ET. Nice. And uh, we did one interview. And that kind of snowballed, right? So, uh, what really happened in that interview, uh, uh, you know, if I may talk really briefly is they were really expecting that we will fall in line with what the consumer wants to hear. And I threw this cat amongst the pigeons, my say where I said no, Indian food should not be you should get off this pedestal, horse of it, <laughs> and kind of made this very, very interesting. So, as far TV engagements is concerned, I think the the approach that we want to take with House of Biryan, the philosophy, the story, I think that's what's driving a little bit, that's piquing the interest. It's contrarian, right? It's not your uh, what you would expect. Uh, so, I think that contrarian view is being now extrapolated with uh, different uh, uh, news agencies and media outlets and so on.
0: So I think that the first time you get that, the, getting the first one can be difficult, interesting, Correct. whatever it is. But once that starts, other people, other channels also take notice. Right. Then the next, you know, the next one becomes a little easier. Next one becomes a little easier. The same thing started with us uh, when we wanted to, uh, you know, start a PR journey. We, uh, I went to multiple agencies. Paid one agency money for two, three months, nothing, zero. Another agency money, they got me like one, some line yeah. somewhere, small little thing. Then uh, I remember going to Devita Saraf from VU. She's one of my mentors, and uh, I told her, "Hey, like you know, you're doing such an amazing job. How do you do it?" She taught me the secret sauce in 60 seconds. So wow. you have to do it yourself. You have to reach out to these people. There is no shortcut. There is no agency. Agency, here, agency. You can throw as much money as you want. Somebody's throwing more money. They're paying attention there, right? But we've been able to take her advice and really scale it up. Today we have a very large uh, marketing team, we have a PR team within that. And we're able to literally switch any channel on and off when we want because we know what to do now. We know who to talk to, we know what to tell them and we're able to leverage PR you know quite well. And many people wonder is PR really helpful? It is. Even social media, right? We've been experimenting with podcasts. Many people wonder like, hey, you're running a lab, like a food water testing lab, why are you doing podcasts? I'm mean, like, because I want to one, the reason I'm doing podcasts is I get to learn different things from different people. Correct. I'm a big believer in learn. Right. This, believe it or not, is a very systematic way for me to learn because every two weeks I meet new people and I get to learn personally. Right. For me, even if this didn't launch, completely worth the time, effort. There's a whole crew there, and I, you know, I always appreciate people taking out the time and coming and spending, you know, with me because I'm hoping. I'm able to share some insights with them, but two for me, being very selfish, I get to learn so much. With every person, you learn something new and that helps me compound faster. So I have this uh, philosophy that if you want to grow, you have to learn a thing a day, one new thing every day. You have to learn, like I I don't sleep if I've not learned one thing for the day, right? And the best way to learn, best way to get insights is talk to people. Talk to people from different walks of life. Talk to people from your industry, of course, talk to people younger, older, don't have to be founders, there can be anybody but learn from each one of them like uh, the interview before this, I was talking to somebody we learned, from, we learned something from an 80 year old guy who goes to a gym. Morning I was talking to another founder, he said hey you know what I got into the bakery space without knowing a single thing of baking. All I did I used to go two thumbs ups to a local bakery when there's no owner, morning 5 o'clock, nahi, koi nahi, But there are people working. I used to give two thumbs up, this is a thumbs up party karte. and they
1: have taught me everything about baking.
0: That's mind-blowing stuff. But, but
1: I, you know, this this approach, first principles, if you call it, mm-hmm. right. Culturally, was not supported. Mm-hmm. Like if you see growing up, we were always told that this is not your field, you should not do it. Okay. I think that is changing. That is really changing, and and, and for the better. And now,
0: a person becoming, becoming an influencer, YouTuber, is acceptable. Like Trek, uh, uh, a friend of mine who lives in the next building, he is 24-25, he is making, he's a CA, 5th or 6th in the country, like in the exam. He worked in that field for a year, before he joined that first, first job office, 6-7 days before, he started a YouTube channel. Why did he start a YouTube channel? Because since he came you know, top rank, everyone is to asking me hey, what did he do, how did he study. So he literally started a channel explaining what he studied, how he studied. Today, he has 600,000 followers. He's created an entire business model around education material. He has written a book. He's writing a second book. He's creating a second company. He's creating a creator studio. Nothing to do with CA, like his current work. I mean, yes, he'll talk about stuff from that field. He's not a practicing CA. He's a qualified CA. He's not a practicing CA. What you studied and what you do no longer have to be the same, right? Today, uh, uh, I run a lab, I am not a microbiologist, I'm not a chemist, I'm a computer science guy with MBA in marketing, right? uh, I run a chemical company, again, no experience in that. If you're passionate about something, you can figure stuff out. Like I was telling my kids the other day. So I, I have this concept with them that hey, I will share life lessons with you. So uh, one of the life lessons I taught them is everything in life is out. Correct.
1: Everything
0: in life. Is figure out nuclear science bolo rocket science bowl, is figure out
1: correct uh, do you have kids yes how old are they one is 10 the other is going to turn one year
0: one wow that's a that's a beautiful age yeah. where they're not back answering you or anything that
1: way right? <laughs> i mean uh... if if i look back mm-hmm. with my 10 year old mm-hmm. i don't remember spending that his, his journey from, uh, from an infant, you know, when he was a few months till a couple of years. I think I was, I was, I was, I was working, um, you know, I, I was doing a job, I was figuring out entrepreneurship. So, so this time, you know, I kept telling myself and, and I kind of manifested it and it's so funny, right? Last year I said, look, if I have a second, I'm going to take a sabbatical. And everyone who, who knows me, they said it's impossible. You're so antsy, you'll, you'll just not happen. And you won't believe it the, the date my second kid was born my son was born I kind of it, it, it happened in 15 days I quit my last gig oh, and I said look 3 months I'm not going to do anything and it. I actually was a 3 month stay at home I did everything and I would not change that trade that's it for the world that's brilliant so you know one advice I would, I would give to every aspiring entrepreneur like once you dive into this it's, it's like a black hole Prioritize this. Prioritize this, even if you have to put things on hold, so be it, because this will never come back.
0: Yeah, your kids first, one, two, three years, this is never going to come
1: back. And I can feel it, right? The bond I have with him is is so different.
0: Uh, What is one piece of advice you'd give your little one when he turns 18?
1: Don't take things so seriously don't have a chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And uh, having motivation is one thing, but have it for the right reasons. You want to get there quick, just because you have to prove a point, don't do it, kind of burns you out. Uh, That advice is what I would give. As we mature,
0: I think one thing we start realizing a lot of the things that we think matter don't, right, Uh, if like I I just turned 40, by the time I'm 45 I want to be at a point where other people's opinions doesn't matter, what uh, some of the things that many people think that a successful person should have honestly don't matter, many people think money buys happiness, it doesn't, right. Uh, finally, getting to spend time with the ones you love, getting to spend time doing things you love, having that freedom, I think is real happiness. And many a times you don't need to make a ton of money to do that. Many people I see have this number in mind. Oh, I want to do so much revenue, income, whatever it is. And then I will stop or then I will slow down or then I'll be happy. I'm like, boss, enjoy the journey. Correct. Because that number may or may not come. Or even when it comes, I know so many people have hit that number. Are you happy now? And a year. Boss, but you're not taking time to enjoy what you've done. Even at Equinox, where every uh, so often we stop and we reflect on how far we've come. True. While yes, big mountain ahead. Sometimes it's good to just stop and you know appreciate that. Hey, we've we've climbed halfway. Well, whatever it is, we've we've climbed the mountain. It's okay to take time and appreciate that. True. You're not doing something. In a different way than what you've done in the past. Do you see this model staying the same for the next few years or do you think there will be a pivot that will come?
1: So consumers want tasty food that'll never change. Consumers want that to be at a certain standard and they want the value for money quotient to be high. I think these three things will never change. The mode might change as we evolve as a brand. Maybe we do a store, big store, small store, kiosk, that will change. But at the crux of it, I don't see it changing. I think you're, you're extremely right. You know? I mean, we need to stop coming to a point where we say, okay, if I, if I make this, I'll stop. I think money should be a byproduct. If you really ask me my reflection and learning, what it has taught me is, can I spend my next four or five years wisely and create that flywheel where it comes to a point where that flywheel does not need my hand on a daily basis for, for things to grow. And once I reach there, I think then I should learn to make myself redundant. And I think the biggest challenge people have is being a control freak because they, they kind of come to that assumption where I have achieved this success because I've been a control freak. And that could not be so wrong. In fact, that's the worst thing to do. If you if you really build something successful because you've been a control freak. It's 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 so you're going to work till you die. You're going to work till you die. That's so. Easier said than done. Oh yeah. Everything that I'm saying here, I struggle with in implementing it. So I have no shame in accepting that also. But for me, true success is going to be at a point where this thing is self-sustaining and I'm no longer required to, on the daily humdrum of it. That is where the money is also taken care of. It's growing also. And I have the time and freedom to do what I want.
0: So, so yeah. I want some uh, advice from you. Uh, you've done work with Equinox before. Yeah. What do you think we can do differently as a company for you?
1: So, I think one of the things that we, uh, you know, the concept I'll tell you, uh, when you run a kitchen, you know, there are multiple things uh, that happen, one is main operations and and a very important part of ensuring that the kitchen is running smoothly uh, to deliver the best consumer experience is audit. Uh, I think it would be very interesting if we can work together where you create an audit which has nothing to do with my company because the problem is you know when you have the operations guy and the audit guy on the same payroll things start to you know uh, it's it's like maker checker sitting together same. Ah. Uh, so that could be one interesting uh, way we can work where we okay. can identify two two areas in audit one is which are affecting consumer experience SOPs, and two is hygiene ensuring both of that brilliant so
0: going to take that feedback to my team yeah. so what Unfortunately, many people don't know about Equinox. Most people, since our name is Equinox Labs, most people think we do testing. What most
1: people don't know, we are Asia's largest auditing agency. We have Correct. More than I, I, in fact, audits. I would say 30% testing lab to 70% process. If I can give you my playbook and you can give me a thing, okay, per store, per month, this is what I'm going to do. Look, because then I have cracked it, boss. There is no way the food is not going to be experienced differently to the consumer. No. I've cracked automation, I've cracked industrialization. Now I just need that last mile push. Done, done and done. So you've actually
0: touched upon something we recently launched new and uh, maybe it's a, what you said is a bit of a hybrid model to what we've launched. We've launched something called Resident Quality Auditor, where our person for one month, two months, three months, six months works out of the person's kitchen. Now. Uh, we have a few customers for this, uh, we actually have a waitlist of about 15 people. Yeah. The reason we have a waitlist is not we are not trying to be fancy, we were not able to hire 15 people in that short correct, time because correct, we have to hire a certain correct. grade of people. And But that model has been done very successfully. The model is not new, the model has been around for a while. Many others have failed. The reason many others have failed is they look at it like this. Correct. We look at it a little bit more holistically plus it is tech enabled right so they get reports they get uh, you know insights into their process they get videos they get you know, images which can be shared and we take pride in not just reporting back that hey it's this way actually helping it, you know Actionable. Help change it change. right uh, so we every month create a report which is called equinox impact so we show the before and hey after intervention what i remember mumbai mirror used to have this mumbai mirror impact thing so we I just,
1: you know this is what we need to do with the guy at the last mile because i'll tell you this is a very thankless industry uh, i think Like you're saying, right? There are no good people, bad people. Everyone's good. It's just that if you don't give them that time, if you don't communicate with them, what they're doing, how it's impacting, it kind of dilutes their sense of purpose. And when it dilutes their sense of purpose, you cannot get the best out of them. You cannot get the best out of them, your customers not. So it's like a vicious cycle. The start has to be with the onus lies with the, the organization, not with the guy.
0: Perfect. Love it. So I'm definitely going to take this back to my team, and within 15 days. I would love days, to. I would love to actually do something here. Hundred percent. We are going because to meet next me, week around this.
1: To me, this thing should be completely disjointed. You'll get real feedback, and yeah, with the culture, you have to put a culture also. in. it's not like okay, if Equinox reporter said your are th- your 70 out of 100 means I'm not going to cut your salary. No, we don't want to do that. But it's it's, it's also culture. Culture. it's a learning culture, and it's. I believe you need to use that for hammering constant hammering month after month after month, where it becomes second nature to him, where he just works in a certain way.
0: So, I call it, it becomes part of his DNA. DNA. So, even if there's nobody watching, that's how he's going to do it because that's the only way he knows how to do it. And
1: you know, the funny thing is, when you do it in an organization which is already running, it's very difficult. But if you cross that hump, Any new person coming in from day one, they're going to be like that. Because that's the culture. That's the culture. Fantastic.
0: I think that's a beautiful note uh, and beautiful lesson to end this podcast on. Uh, Mama, thank you so much for sharing uh, your journey. It has been amazing. I've seen you wear a couple of different hats. Yes. But I don't think I've seen you happier than I've seen you now. Uh, And the glow you're giving out now uh, is obviously, it's not the overnight success. True. You're a 10-year overnight success if you Uh want to call it that. But uh, I'm seeing, uh, you know, you're doing a lot of things right, a lot of things better than the past true. and the direction you're heading and the way you're handling this venture. I don't see why this cannot be something that is there in every single city in India and within three to five years outside India, maybe before also, I mean, I'm saying I'm selling a short by saying three to five years because you've made something accessible you have uh, created a product and an experience which i didn't think was possible on a delivery yeah. so today I, I you know we saw it in the grandest of uh, you know ways and me and my team absolutely loved it but i think if you continue down this path uh, continue to do things differently uh, you know than the traditional industry has i think you're going to doing amazing things and i wish you the very best and anything I you so can much. do to help you get there you can always count on my support.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much.